into a wrong door. So um, we are going to open up and pray, and then we're going to go through this teaching. Pastor has, as usual, probably read 90% of our notes, so um, we, won't, we won't have to go too far into the teaching. Maybe just give you a little bit of a uh, different angle on what Pastor has taught, and then uh, we will be done. So... Father, we thank you for this. Um, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this season. Um, we thank you for uh, Jesus appearing, Emmanuel in the flesh, and that Father, that each year we celebrate not the world's commercialized Christmas, but we celebrate the true Christmas, uh, the Son of God that came in the flesh uh, to reconnect us, to bring us back to the Father. Uh, to adopt us as sons and daughters, and to go to the cross and to die for us, that we may have not only eternal life, but eternal relationship with the Godhead. So we thank you for that, and we thank you that we do get to celebrate this each and every year. And so, Lord, we just continue to pray that in this season, that many will come to you, many will come to the true meaning of Christmas. So we thank you, and we lift you up. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, <laughs> from Nevada's calling. Anyway, so welcome to relational care. So last week we, we were uh, doing a mini series here for Christmas, which we were calling Eternity in a Manger. So last week we. Um, Last week's uh, session was called A Light in the Darkness. And so we talked about uh, just the time that Jesus was born into. Um, we talked about um, th that uh, where Pastor really elaborated on in terms of the time um, and the circumstances that Jesus was born into. Um, and we talked about that in terms of uh, from the um, standpoint of the holiday season while um, from a commercial standpoint, you know, we like to build up what the holiday season is about. The holiday, holiday season many times is um, a time of uh, sadness for many, a time of um, where they may be missing loved ones that have, have passed or um, lost relationships or even the stress of relationships uh, because, you know, that time of year, especially if you have relationships that are strained and you have to deal with those relationships, it can really um, bring a sense of, of, of foreboding, a sense of darkness, a sense of grief. Uh, but what we talked about last week was that, and Leona brought out so eloquently, is that um, Jesus said that he is a light in the darkness. And so not only was he a light when he appeared 2,000 years ago, he was a light before the foundation of the world. He is a light today. And we talked about from 1 John, um, not 1 John, John, the first chapter. Thank you. Uh, but he talked about that he was a true light and he's a true light that shines in every man. And so this concept of when we look at what we're calling eternity in a manger, when Christ was born, that was, again, this idea of now the true light coming into the world and what that really meant for eternity past and what that meant for eternity future. 
And so that's actually the, um, the uh, name of today's session, which is Eternity Past and Eternity Future. So um, Eternity Past really speaks about the plan of the Godhead before the foundation of the world. The Godhead has existed in eternity past before anything appeared. So before time and space, before the planets, before universe, before us, before earth, the Godhead existed, right? And so God, Jesus, Holy Spirit were eternal. But at that, even before any of this appeared, before any of us appeared, there was a plan. They had a plan. They knew what they wanted to do. They knew how they wanted to execute that plan. So from eternity past, they were already thinking ahead to what they were going to be creating and thinking about us and how they wanted to have relationship with us. And so um, this plan of salvation and redemption, and the Bible is very clear about it, that plan was already they were, had already had that plan in place before anything started, okay? Um, and so one of the things that we have to deal with on the, on the human side is, and we've had this conversation with people before, is that this whole idea of, uh, of sin entering the world and, and what we go through today as human beings and what we have to deal with in a fallen world. And so people ask many questions. Okay, well, if God knew, why did he let sin in? Why did all these things happen? And so we know that while God gives us answers to many things, there's many other things that God does not give us answers to. And there are many mysteries about, the, the, about sin and about suffering and these things that we have to go through as human beings. Uh, we t touched about it last week, though, but the beauty, and, and um, Pastor talked about it, of having a God that enters into our situation, a God that enters into to experience what the human experience is. And we talked about, you know, uh, God could have created him like he created Adam, fully formed, and have him enter the picture and say, okay, well, you're going to do these three years of ministry, and then you're out of here, okay? But he didn't do that because, <clears throat> as Hebrews says, that he is our high priest. He, <clears throat> excuse me, he is acquainted with everything that we go through. So the suffering, the sin, and all those things that, we're, we're, um, we re that he relates to with us. But even in that, there was already a plan and a purpose from the beginning. So what I want to do is I want to read um, you some scriptures when we're, when we're thinking about eternity past. I want to read some scripture to you. And this is out of uh, 1 Peter, uh, the first chapter. And this is verses 3 to 12. So 1 Peter says, praise be, to, uh, 3 says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven 
and who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time in you uh, in this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you might have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials yet these have come so that the proven genuine genuineness of your faith which is greater worth of gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed though you have not seen him you love him and even though you do not see him now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls concerning the salvations the prophets who spoke of the greatest who spoke of the greatest grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not only serving themselves, but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. And so Peter here is really talking about again He's really giving you almost, he's backing up and he's giving you this sort of snapshot, right, of the whole plan of God and, and what he had planned before and what this whole meaning of Jesus coming and dying and what he planned for the future. He gives you like this quick snapshot um, overview uh, of it. But a couple of things that I wanted to, um, to point out where he talks about when you go to um, 1 Peter 110 where he talks about uh concerning the salvation the prophets who spoke right even before in the old testament everything was really everything was pointing toward the messiah so all of eternity past when we think about christmas and what that that time meant was everything in eternity past was pointing to that that instant when christ would appear so all the prophets, everything that you can think of from the Old Testament, the um, Old Testament prophets, the law, the tabernacle, all these things were pointing to Christ. And so as, as Christians and as we look at that little baby in the manger, there's so much more to what that actual baby in the manger means. And so at this point, it's all... When you look at it, all eternity past, everything that they have planned was pointing to this point in time. So uh, three points I wanted to bring out from this eternity past that we were talking about. So three things. The first one is, one, there was an inheritance created for you in eternity past. Okay. So before anything was created, before the foundation of the world, this inheritance for you was already in place, was already going to be in place. So again, this appearing of Christ was again, another part of this plan, but that this part of the plan where Jesus now becomes Emmanuel, uh, God with us, is part of this plan because the plan actually 
shifts. Because everything from eternity past to that point in time was leading to this time of the Messiah being born. But at his birth, eternity past becomes eternity future. The next thing about it was that um, he talked about your faithfulness through trials would be rewarded. So as we go through this life and as we are challenged, you know, he talks about how your, your faith is more precious than gold, but he also talks about um, that the trials is a testing of the faith, a testing of your faith, right? And so in this whole mystery of God and in, 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 uh, in sin and in a world that has trials and failures, that there's a rewarding, there's a rewarding of that faithfulness. There's a rewarding of staying true to what we say we believed. There's a there's a reward. There's a there's a inheritance set up for us that continue to persevere through those trials. I just wanted to add that when we think of testing of our faith. Often we tend to think about it from our perspective. Our perspective is, you know, you take a test, you pass, you fail, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not the Lord's perspective. The testing of our faith is about showing us where we are in our journey in relationship to him. And if we mess up, he's like, okay, get it together. We can do this again. He's not like all of a sudden gonna take his hand from your hand and go, well, you flunked that test, so there. But it's it, it's something that we seem to struggle getting into our hearts. The testing of our faith is not to show him. He knows where we are. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we think we're all that in our faith. You know, I'm a person of faith and I believe in God for, and yet when the trial comes, we crumble. And we go to God and we say, God, I'm so sorry because I, I thought I was believing Peter, for example, you know, you're not going to die. Don't talk like that. And the Lord says, get thee behind me, Satan. And Peter, who, who knows what Peter was thinking? Yeah, he doesn't really know how much I really believe in him. And I can't see those things happening. But then when he found out where he really stood in his faith walk, he was grieved in his spirit. And obviously there was a degree of repentance that he experienced. But what did Jesus say to him when he when he called he called for Peter? He said to Mary, "Tell the disciples and Peter." And Peter. Mm -hmm. He called for him. He didn't go tell the disciples and please do not talk to Peter. <laughs> you know what? I mean, he failed that test really badly. Because even after I told him he was going to fail the test, he didn't believe me. So he double failed the test. God is not, is it, the tests are not there to show us, um, to, to make us feel bad mm -hmm. when we mess up. The tests are there to show us, okay, you're not as far along as you think you are. So pursue me, pursue him. It's an identifier of our own hearts. Sometimes we're speeding down the highway. We don't know we're speeding until we see the police in the rear view. And we're like, oh, check my speed, right? 
So sometimes we are examined. It's to examine our own hearts before him. It says in Proverbs 25, um, as Joe was also talking about the, the mysteries and the things that God has already prepared in advance for us, the inheritance. Proverbs 25 verse 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings, you guys are kings, to search out a matter. There's pursuit that's hidden in your inheritance. Pursuit of him, not of the things, but of him. And that's all. So one of the things, um, and thanks for bringing that up, because one of the things about trials are, trials are really also an opportunity. Okay. Trials are an opportunity, again, to, to, to give a barometer of where you are, but what you're going to do in the trial. Okay. So many times when we are walking, we have trials, we have really an opportunity in that trial to, to take two courses of action. Mm -hmm. We can either go back and rely on ourselves or rely on things that we think have worked in the past or you know, do the thing that we say, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and try to figure it out. Or we can run to the one that has a solution That's and right. run to the one that we can draw near That's to. Right. And so when you see these ideas of trial, yeah, it's not a, we may look at it, not God, but we may look at it of, okay, here's a trial and I failed that trial, okay? But I think the one thing that we should be very careful of is God is not pointing his finger at you and said, you fail that trial or you fail that test. Okay. It is a barometer for us to be able to go to God and to look and say, you know what, God, I've got some areas in my life that I've got to deal with. I've got some, I've got some, some ways, some issues that I need to be able to deal with. And so, um, Leona and I've been really big on this idea of process, right? And, the walk that we have with God is all about process. And so these trials give us an idea, gives us a way to evaluate where we are, right? And to be able to work on it so that the next time that this happens, what happens is maybe we don't run to our own, um, we don't run to our own fixes as quickly as we did the last time. And maybe we start turning to God as our source a little bit faster than we did the time before, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And as we walk through this process and we grow in spiritual maturity, what we tend to do is we tend to now turn our eyes more to the Lord the more that these trials are happening because he is our source, he is our strength, he's the one that has the answer. So we really have to build ourselves to the, to the point of what is our first reaction? Right. Our first reaction is to really get to the point where our first reaction is we're going to run to God. Right. We're going to run to God. We're going to be open with God. We're going to be um, we're going to seek him to help us get through rather than kind of doing what we've always done, which is relying on our own ingenuity, our 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 own way of figuring um, things out. Yeah, that that actually brings me to and, and why I think. God was highlighting the child's response that you guys were sharing. Yeah. The two-year-old that you say, how are you doing? And he says, what's his response? Better. better. Like a two-year-old. Mm -hmm. How are you doing? And his response is better. That should be our response. Mm -hmm. Better. 
Like I'm, 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 I'm reorienting myself so that I'm going to God, you know, so that I'm seeking him and listening to him for the direction that I need. The other thing that it brings to mind, um, most of you in here will know the lyrics and can, can finish this hymn. Some of you won't, and that's okay. It's okay to learn things about our Christian past. So what a friend we have in Jesus. If you know it, say it with me. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to him in prayer, right? And I remember hearing um, that and it just became kind of um, a heartworm, not an earworm, but a heartworm. Because what the minister was singing was oftentimes how we walk is what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to our friends in prayer. Right? Instead of carrying those things to him. Not saying we shouldn't share with our friends. That's not the point. But the point is, are we going to Christ first? And are we pursuing him for the treasures that he has? And maybe the treasure he has in the moment is just comfort. Mm -hmm. Because he knows better than us. We don't necessarily need an answer right now to whatever that pain is, that grief is, or that failed test is. What we need more than anything is comfort. Are we open enough to receive that? Are we so antsy that what we want is an answer? I want a solution to the issue. I'll be comforted later. Or if I eat 10 chocolates, right? You know, I'll be comforted real quick. So what I want is the solution. And Jesus is trying to show us comfort in a different way. And if we, and do we have that desire for comfort? You know, because sometimes um, we need comfort, but we don't look for comfort because comfort means that we have to have a certain level of openness and vulnerability, mm -hmm. right? And so we don't look for comfort because we don't want to have to be able to go there, right? you know? But the very thing that we need, and that's many times what happens, especially in trials, the very thing that we need that God can supply we tend to want to try to get that on our own, yeah. you know? And so sort of this whole idea of process is why, why, why do we, why do we do that? Because it would seem to me as human beings, we just have a tendency to want to take the path of less resistance. Well, the path of less, less resistance is actually God. It's not the other way, but we tend to go the other way. So there's a, there's a part of that, I think that we're the um, the unwillingness to have that openness and vulnerability to really admit that where I am is I, I'm hurt, I'm broken, I'm at a place where I can't do it on my own, that I need, not only do I need God, but I need the comfort of those around me mm -hmm. and being able to articulate that. You know, and sometimes I, I understand that it's difficult because you also need safety, right? If it's very hard, if I'm, if I need comfort, but I don't have safe relationships around me, 
I would be I would be setting myself for more for more pain if I go to somebody and I open myself up and say that's what I need, and I get some of the typical response like why why should you feel that way or you should just get over it or you should do something different or sorry, right, or sorry or cheer up, right? I think many times we cheer somebody up because we don't want to enter that pain with them, right? So it's like I don't want to. Right. So I don't want to, oh, yes. yeah, or recite scripture or, and, and some, right. And, and, and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that they're even doing it intentionally. Because no, most people aren't. Most people aren't. Mm-hmm. They just feel like sometimes you've, there's a helpless feeling, right? That this person's in pain. I don't know what to do. So what I do is what I think is going to help them be comforted. But it, but, it may not help them be comforted, right? It may put them in a place where I don't really have safety in that relationship that I need to be able to, to do that. And why God says he's a God of comfort that comforts those who need comfort so they can comfort others with the comfort that they have received, right? Because God's comfort is not... God's comfort is not where you you are hurting and God's going to say, well, you know, cheer up, don't worry about it, you know, I'm God, you're not, and we'll just, we'll take care of this and we'll just move on, right? But there's a beauty about God, and again, going back to this Christmas story, where you have Jesus that has walked through everything that you've walked through so that he understands that sometimes what needs to happen is when I need to be comforted, I don't, I'm not really, number one, asking for anything. But number two, I'm not really asking you to do anything, but just be with me. Because maybe all I need you to do is just sit there with me and maybe cry with me, right? And maybe just hold my hand and walk through that and maybe just say, you know, I'm here for you to help you with whatever you need. And a lot of times that's, that's all that's needed, right? And that person, um, that person is, feels comforted, right? And so um, it's difficult, you know, it's difficult. But I think that when we talk, this is relationship class. So as we're moving through, I think what we need to do is we need to, we need to learn how to, to comfort people, to make a safe place for people to just let them know you know, this is a safe place. You can you can come and I'll just be with you. Right? I'll just be with you. And maybe being with you is we're just gonna we're just gonna sit here. And I'm just gonna hold you hold your hand. I'm gonna put my hand on your shoulder and I just want you to know that I'm here for you. And we'll just walk through with that person. We don't have to have um answers because one of the things that I've learned with comforting people is that If you are there with somebody and you ask that person, what can I do for you or can I help you, right? That person would be very willing to let you know because that person may say, I don't know, or when I do know, I'll let you know. Or they may ask you for some advice, right? But one thing I don't ever do is if I'm comforting somebody, I'm not going to give you advice. That's the last thing you want to do. So somebody's heard, oh, cheer up. 
Don't feel that way. Things will be okay tomorrow. Well, that might be very true. But at that point that I'm moving through those emotions, I'm not really at a point where I don't want you to give me the sunny side tomorrow. We'll get there at some point. But at that point for comfort, I'm not at that point. You know, I'm not at that point that I want you to give me the cheery, you know, um, sermon, scripture, you know. I just want, I just need you to be there, right? And that creates safety, okay? Um, so the third quick point I wanted to point out was from eternity past, Christ was ready and willing to pay the price for salvation and redemption. One of the stories um, that really touched me in, in Jesus's story is the Garden of Gethsemane, right? So he knows that his time is near and he has to go to the cross. But you see him in the garden and you see him and, and the word says that he is so anguished that he sweats drops of blood, right? And actually, uh, um, scientists have said that, that that can actually happen. You can actually have so much anguish that the capillaries that's near your skin, you can actually sweat. So you know that that man was under some serious anguish. Right? And so he says something interesting, and he says, Father, if there's another way or if this cup can be passed, right, take this cup from me. So what's really strange about that is from what I just talked about from eternity past, he already knew, right? He knew what was going on. He knew that he was born to die. He knew he was going to the cross. So we may expect something like, okay, I'm not looking forward to having myself filleted open like a fish and being nailed to a cross. Because um, Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, right? So he looked past the cross to the glory that was his. So he could have said, well, okay, this is going to really hurt. I'm not going to have to suffer too long, although my suffering is going to be tremendous. But I'm going to cheer up because all the glory for me is going to be on the other side of the cross. But he doesn't. He really acts like a man that knows what's coming, right? And that he wants to avoid that at all costs. So the beauty of what's happening in that moment, what's really happening in that moment? Because it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I don't get it. You're God from eternity past to now. You knew everything. You were, you should have been totally ready for this. You knew exactly how this was going to go down. Why? Why now get there and, right? And this is what I believe is happening. I talked about Christ coming to earth and experiencing everything that we experience. So now think of yourself. Take Christ out of that picture for a moment and put yourself in there. So now you're the one at Garden of Gethsemane. You're the one that now is getting ready to go to the cross. How would you feel? You would do the exact same thing that he did, right? 
So in a way, what he's doing, right? He's doing this for you, but he's really inter, uh, he's really acting out the way we would have felt when we went through. And the beauty of that is because he goes into, into heaven and he's now our high priest, right? When you are at the point in your life that you have tremendous anguish, when you are facing things that you don't think that you could face, when you think that there's not a tomorrow that you can face, right? He's already faced it. He already knows. So there's no, there's no anguish that you're facing here on earth that he hasn't faced, right? So he becomes the greatest high priest because it's like, you know what? I know exactly how you feel. But now what happens is I can go to the father, right? Because it says that he intercedes for us to the father. And so he can go to the father and say, you know what? I know exactly the way. And I'm interceding and I'm praying for them because this isn't this isn't an intellectual knowing. This is a physical, open, nails knowing of what they're of what they are going through. And the beauty of that is the connection. Right. Because he's not a again, Pastor talked about it. He's not a he's not a distant God. He's not a God that says, okay, well, I'm all-knowing, so I have some idea about that. That's different than actually walking in the shoes of somebody that's actually gone through it. It's totally different. I was looking up, uh, because I I, I don't know um, who does what in terms of music. I just hear the song, and I like it or I don't like it. So I was looking up... um, Jeremy Camp's song, um, I was a dead man walking until I was a man walking with you. And that is such a picture of what is really going on in the Garden of Gethsemane. We know from Hebrews, as Joe said, that he scorned the shame of the cross in himself as a God-man. But in himself as fully man, he had to endure the cross And when we can come to that place of faith and really acknowledge it, he really knows what I am going through. He is a man acquainted with my trials, my sufferings, my anguish, my pain, my whatever it is. Okay, yeah, he's never been a guy pregnant, but being God, he could obviously relate to a woman in pregnancy who may have lost a child. I mean... He lost his first kids, right? He lost relationship with them. And then his grandson killed his other grandson. He has suffered grief. He has suffered grief. And it is, there's a, there is a comfort that we experience, what, right? When we're with people who have been through something mm-hmm. that we have that been, we've through. been through. But at the point when, when, when the Lord says, you know, I will comfort you with the, you will comfort others with the comfort wherewith you have yourself have been comforted. Sometimes that comfort doesn't come from the people around us. It, sometimes we are in that unique place 
where our comfort literally comes from the Lord. And there are aspects of our walk where that needs to be, where we can only get so much, even from our closest friend, our, uh, you know, our mate or a sibling. But there's an aspect of our comfort that we need to be relying on God for. Mm -hmm. And not relying on any other human being. And I'm not saying that we turn away from the people around us that love us, right? But that we recognize that there's a place deep down inside that only he can touch. And then we begin to allow him to touch that. And not say, well, because there's nobody else here to minister to me, I'm not going to you know, this whole Christianity thing doesn't work or I'm not going to be open to other people when that time comes. Yeah, he's calling us to walk that walk in part because like Joe said, he's already walked it ahead of us. And we can know that we can, spiritually speaking, put our hand in his hand and he can be that for us. And he can also lead us into those safe relationships where we can safely, properly, appropriately be comforted by um, those we walk with. Yes, Sue. Um, what is your main um, um, way of being comforted when you're what what that phrase means in the in in Hebrews when he talks about he scorned the shame he did not he did not um my understanding of it is uh shame is one of those things that 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 just likes to is it's an opportunistic spirit that's what it is um and there are times when we feel guilt right because of something we've done and then there's false guilt where we feel bad about something that we had absolutely no control over, but we're carrying this sense of responsibility for it, that's false guilt. Then there's a sense of condemnation where the enemy is telling us, it's your fault, it's your fault, and you're, you're never gonna get it right. The nevers and the always come in, that's condemnation. There's conviction from the Lord that says, yeah, you missed it, but I'm here to help you. And then there's shame that wants to attach itself always when whenever we've we've committed sin or whenever we've made a mistake, right? Because even in making a mistake, and I mean that there sometimes is a separation. I'm talking about, say, for example, he were to, I'm not going to say his name. You all know who I'm pointing to, were to go over to that table and somehow in, in his zeal and effort tied to his age, knock over the pitcher of water. Well, that's, Part of that is just motor skills, right? And there is a sense of guilt that comes because I made a mistake, right? But then shame can come if the person is in an environment where shame is constantly brought forward and then the enemy uses that. So in Jesus's case, Jesus scorned the shame. He looked beyond that. He did not say, oh, here's shame. I'm going to hug it for all it's worth. I'm going to accept the shame. No, he's like, shame, step aside. I got to look past what I'm suffering. Because we have to remember that for him and in his culture, some people believe he was crucified naked. Some people believe he at least had on a loincloth. We don't know. We don't care. Either way, in that culture, he was naked, right? He was naked. And he was supposed to be God. Right. 
pierced, yeah. bleeding, uh, heal yourself, physician. Right. There's shame that comes with that with that statement. You've you've raised Lazarus from the dead. You've done all these amazing things. Why can't you get yourself off the cross? The other thief was saying. Why can't you get us off the cross in yourself too? Right. There's there's a hidden veil or cloak that the enemy wants to bring of shame, and Jesus is like, not me, not today. It ain't happening. I got to go through this. This is it's it's the same it's the same type of thing. Whenever we have sinned in our relationship, you guys know my testimony. I could, if, 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 if the, the enemy would want nothing more than for me to embrace shame and constantly go, well, I can't teach or I can't be seen in public with my husband. Or, oh, because I have a past and Jesus don't have time for that. <laughs> Jesus does not have time for that. There's stuff that needs to happen. There are people that he wants to see helped through the testimony. I gotta scorn that shame. So it's not actually saying that there is no shame. Exactly. It's yeah, not the, saying the, that there is no the, shame. There's, the, there is shame that wants to come, but you scorn it. And, you reject it, you renounce it. And, and the other thing too, is, uh, as Leona brought out, you have to look at the, the time and the Jewish leaders. Right. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea of what the Messiah was going to be, mm -hmm. right, the conquering hero, the king, the one that was going to overthrow the Roman the Empire Roman. and all these things. Right. So when he went to the cross, <clears throat> the shame was, well, this was the Messiah. This was the one that was going to overcome. This was the one that was going to lead Israel. Look at him. He's on the he's on the cross. It failed, right? This whole plan failed. This this whole thing about the Messiah was wrong. And so it was really because when the scripture says that he endured the cross, scorning his shame. Mm -hmm. So you so you can't separate the scorning of shame and shame from enduring the cross. So those are tied together. And so it's this whole idea of, you know, it's the criminal that dies on the cross. Mm -hmm. It's the bad person that dies on the cross. It's the unworthy that die on the cross. So all this shame that is attached to the cross, right? When somebody, because look at the people that died on the left and right of them, right? Criminals, they deserve to die. They were no good. They're scum of the earth, right? So that shame, right? is really what he's scorning because he's saying, okay, your idea of the cross, mm -hmm. your idea of who gets put on the cross, mm -hmm. your idea of what the cross means, right? God has taken that, but I'm not taking that on mm -hmm. because what you don't realize is the cross now is redemption. The cross now exactly. is love. The cross now is bringing many sons and daughters to God, right? So. The, the scripture says that God takes the lowly things, mm -hmm. right? The, uh, the bad things of the world and he flips it around. So in man's eyes, that's exactly what he did. He took the, he took the thing that would most denigrate somebody and make that person be the lowest person from in society standpoint. Mm -hmm. He took that and he turned it around and says, okay, now this is redemption. This is love. This is e this is eternity future. 
Because at that point, which gets to my second point here, is that once Jesus is born, eternity past now turns to eternity future. Because now God says, okay, I'm here to do a mission, and this mission is to go to the cross to, to pay for your sins, right? Because when we do that, now you're, you that were alienated, mm -hmm. you that were not my people, now become my people. You that were not my sons and daughters, you now become my sons and daughters. And so now I get to open to you because Hebrews talks about all those that died, that were sawn in two, they walked around in sheepskins and goatskins. They just had a, they had a, 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 a veiled picture of what was coming, but they didn't really know, right? But when Christ came, everything that every person had lived and died and never seen was right there. And so as he lived and then he goes to the cross and now he redeems us, right? Hebrews talks about all those ancients that died, right? It says now together with us, right? Everything that they had believed in that they had not seen, but together us that see it and now enter into it, we all, God brings in that mystery. He brings us all together now in that death of Christ and says, now you get to all share in the same eternity, even though you never even saw it, even though you never even knew, you just said that it was just like a veil, right? It's kind I kind of get an idea what God's going to, but I don't even have a clue what he's going to do, but I just know he's going to do something, right? And so he brings all that together. And so we're going to, we're going to wrap this up rather quickly. And so when we now talk about eternity future, so from eternity past, the whole idea was to redeem us in this present time. So when Christ was born, right, it was, okay, the fulfillment of the ages have come. And now in this time, between now Christ has, has been born and now he's died, but in this time until the return of Jesus again, what's happening now is now we're all being prepared in this present age for the future age, right? And so I'm going to pick up, I'm going to finish the rest of um, 1 Peter, and I'm picking up in verse uh, 1, verse 13. So he says, Therefore, with minds that are fully alert and sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Okay, we're talking now future eternity. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on the Father who judges each person's work impartially, live your time out as foreigners here on earth in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with imperishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but has now been revealed, right? And these last times for our sake, your sake. Through him you believed in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so your faith and hope are in God. 
Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one another, love each other deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and their glory are like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this was the word, this is the word that was preached to you. Right? So a lot of stuff going on in there. But again, he talks about this this work that Christ has done for us. And he says, you were created this time from imperishable seed, not perishable. So this idea that you will be, that you have entered into, you've entered from death to life, right? Okay, so I'm going to bring up three points and then we're going to finish up. So three points are understand that your present obedience in Christ lays the foundation for your rewards in eternity future. The vow of, of poverty, obedience, and chastity. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, uh, they always talk about it in relationship to like Catholic nuns, mm -hmm. probably the Christians, it's embedded in the submission. Mm -hmm. We're all expected to have some form of it as a part of it. We've been really looking at what they mean by the, the obedience mm -hmm. and feeling impoverished or not being uh, trapped by the impoverishment mm -hmm. laws of obedience. It's one of the things I've been studying on. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 in, in disobedience, when we talk about, it's really being obedient to the Word of God, right? Uh, um, and, and so, making sure that as disciples of Christ, as followers of Christ, that we're obedient to what Christ is calling us um, to do. Uh, number two, everything will be revealed in eternity future. So Paul talks about right now we see things um, dimly. But later we will see fully as we're fully known so that many of the things that are many things now we don't see clearly, but that in eternity future, we will see those things clearly. And um, the third one is, though your present life is passing away, you have been born again for eternity future through imperishable seed. And so that really speaks to us living a life where we deal with earthly realities but with a heavenly mindset okay because as as the word says we are really passing through you know we are really passing through when we think about an eternal god our lives as uh as he was talking about here was you know the flowers grow and then they fall and then they pass away you know, I was uh, meditating on that and I was thinking about um, in my family room, I have uh, pictures of my grandparents and great grandparents and great, great grandparents. And I was just thinking about like my great grandfather, you know, and my great grandfather was a minister and, you know, he was born and he lived and he he died like everybody else. And I thought about it and I thought. He lived and then he did what he did on earth and he passed away. And I thought about 
other than that picture that I have on him on the wall, and maybe somewhere on some microfiche it has his birth certificate or death certificate, and there may be a grave site where I don't know. That's all we know of him. And so from an earthly standpoint, his life came, it was just like, you know, the grass coming up in the morning and in the evening it's gone. And so he lived and he passed on. And so I thought about, well, other than that picture on the wall, who will remember him? Because all the people that he had relationship with are gone. They're no longer here. But then I was reminded the one person that remembers him that is the most important to remember him is God, right? God remembers everything about his life. And so now he has, but he has eternity, right? So one day I'm going to see him again. So he has that eternal life. He has that eternal future. And so with that, we always have to live in earthly realities, but we always have to have the eternal mindset. So just uh, finish this up really quickly, um, and then we're going to go over some dates here. So the Christmas we celebrate is a point in time where eternity past and eternity future made its intersection in a manger, in a shed in the midst of a dark night that was physically dark, but it was also spiritually dark. All the fullness of the Godhead manifested itself in human flesh and became Emmanuel, God with us. That little baby boy in the moment of time was the manifestation of eternity past, but also the promise of eternity future. So our prayer for you is that this Christmas season and every Christmas season to come, that you will see that baby in a manger in a new light, the true light that he was, been, that he was meant to be seen in. And so we pray that you will let him pierce whatever darkness you may find yourself in and that the true meaning of his birth will cut through the world's darkness, the commercialization and the fairy tales that have clouded the true meaning and the blessing of Christmas. Father, we thank you for this time and we just thank you for this blessing. We just um, thank you for the the blessing of your um, of your coming and what that meant. And so, Father, we pray that we can have joy and we can have peace in this season, not a joy that comes from the world, not a joy that comes from the commercialization of your of Christmas, not from all the things, Lord, that the trappings of the world puts out there, but, Lord, that we may have joy and that we may have peace in this season because we know from eternity past to eternity future, that you have planned all things and you have planned all these things because you love us and you have planned all these things because from eternity past to eternity future, you want relationship with us. So we're so grateful, Jesus, we're so grateful that you left your throne and you came to earth and you walked amongst us and you um, experienced what we experienced because you know everything that we have gone through and that you are that great high priest. We thank you for that. We love you more than words can say. We bless you in this Christmas season. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So just dates for um, coming class.